This is Bucket Talk, a weekly podcast for people who work in the trades and construction that aren't just trying to survive, but have the ambition and desire to thrive. The opportunity in the trades and construction is absolutely ridiculous right now. So if you're hungry, it's time to eat. We discuss what it takes to rise from the bottom to the top with people who are well on their way and roll up their sleeves every single day. This is Jeremy and Eric with Bucket Talk powered by Brunt. Today on this episode, we have Ben Snoor, who is a rancher by day and actually third generation rancher and blacksmith by night. He uh, creates some beautiful hammers, among other things, and we're going to get into him. But before we do that, I want to elaborate on a weekend we just had, and it was pretty wild. I want to let Eric take that one away. Awesome. Awesome. So this past weekend, Jeremy and I actually spent the weekend together, which we don't normally do. <laughs> and from Brunt's perspective, is our first ever NASCAR sponsorship. And it was great because we got to have the original Bucket Talk team, the Brunt team, and a lot of the folks that actually were on the early Bucket Talk podcast that we never met in person come up and join us. You know, it was a pretty wild weekend. It started midweek, Wednesday, Thursday of the week, (laughs) where our driver, Mason Massey, who drives for BJ McLeod Motorsports, which was going to be driving the Brunt Workwear number 99 car, came up with his agent. Wednesday, we went over to K1 go-karts, which which happened to be across the street (laughs) from the Brunt garage. Yeah, I didn't know Eric was a good go-kart driver. He freaking beat my ass every every freaking round. But <laughs> <laughs> it was cool being able to race a NASCAR driver, so that was that was wild. And then we went back to the garage and grabbed some beers and were able to throw some cornhole, cornhole. with them. Cornhole, yep, yep, cornhole. And then the next night, a lot of the folks that we knew from the early days of Bucket Talk and Brunt started to fly in or drive up. Yeah. And we got to meet them, and, and it was more casual that night because the night before was a pretty rough one. And Jeremy took a bunch of folks to dinner. Yeah, that was pretty good. I got to finally sit down with some of these faces that I never really got to meet. I knew them through the podcast and through social media and stuff, but it was really nice to have down-to-earth conversations with them. You know, what's going on with the farm, what's going on in their life. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty cool. And then we woke up, went to the race. Yeah, we met at the Brunt Garage that morning. We had a a little less than 50 people. We had party buses that brought us up to New Hampshire Motor Speedway, which is about an hour away. So (laughs) allowed for a lot of uh, early morning indulging and and getting ourselves lubed up for the day. Dude, taking shots at 8.30 in the morning is... is, uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's one way to wake up. (laughs) Got it there at like 10.30. The race wasn't (laughs) until 3.30. So we had a Brunt tailgate that was already set up there out in the normal parking lots that happened at NASCAR. And, you know, a lot of food, a lot of drink, a lot of good conversation. A lot more people met us up there. We probably had another 25 or, or more folks. We had about a group of 75 yeah, folks we had there. A, we had a good showing. It was wild. It was a good time. Then our driver, Mason Massey, his whole team, the owner of his team actually came out and gave kind of a speech and a thank you to the whole crowd for coming out. They were blown away with how many people we had. And the rest is history when it went in and got to see the Brunt Workwear car race a little bit before we crashed. Yeah, and give our livers a rest. They didn't allow alcohol in the pit, so that was kind of nice for a little bit there. And then we capped it off by taking the hood off the car and bringing it home with us on the bus. And uh, and here we are today to live another day and sit down with this incredible guest and so, Jeremy, you want to talk a little bit about how we actually got to this guest? In my vast conversation with uh, Roy from Vintage Axe Works, I, you know, we were going over some of the people that he had 
on his podcast. I'm an avid listener of his podcast. I really liked it. And he dives into the maker community, which is awesome. One of his guests and one of his good friends is Ben Snoor. And I really wanted to interview this guy. This guy is right up our alley. I just started a farm. You know, he's a third generation rancher. I thought this would be a good jump off point for season three. So I really wanted to pick his brain and I'm really happy that we were able to make it work. The guy's awesome. You're going to love it. We'll get into this episode. Great. Let's go. So today we're here with Ben Snore. Ben, you're a rancher and blacksmith by trade, correct? I am. Pretty half-assed at both of them, but I try. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's actually more to you. There's a big history, so I'd, I'd actually like to start with with how you got into ranching. I grew up around a ranch. My dad's side of the family had a ranch that was homesteaded in 1897 in the southeast corner of Arizona by my great-grandfather. So my grandfather ran it. My dad grew up there. He went off to college. My uncle ran the ranch, and I ended up going out there and working for him for a pretty good while until we both got sick of each other. Then I bounced around other ranches until I got offered the job I'm in now in Clarendon, Texas, and I've been here for 13 years on Monday. So from what I hear, this so this ranch that you're at now is cattle and exotic animals, is that correct? It is, it is. The exotic game deal's kind of oddball because for years they had the animals and they just kind of liked to look at them and there wasn't any herd management and so the genetics we had weren't real great but the past oh three years now we've been culling a lot of animals bringing in some new blood and really trying to build it back up into a little bit more of a hunting place okay that's that's actually a cool idea my uncle's down in West Texas and he took my father on one of those and that's big down there all the the guys is hunting down there Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of money in it if you if you got the right animals and the right clientele. Yeah. Over the course of COVID, I switched from being a mechanic to I jumped into the whole agriculture and livestock game myself. And boy, I, I mean, I feel like I'm over my head, but it's definitely something that I I really enjoy to do. That's you know, a pretty big jump from mechanicing to ranching. <laughs> Well, at the same time, I wish I was more of a mechanic because I can't wrench on things. And it would be a whole pretty handy if I could. That's kind of like one of the big takeaways here, though, is, is, you know, once you have some sort of working skill set, I won't take away from it, but there's transferable skills, which has always been good. Like I, I still do a fair amount of mechanic work and then it, it transfers over to carpentry, which may not be the best, but you know, I'm sure there's some stuff you did, you know, as a rancher that made it easier for you to start your career as a blacksmith, too. Well, and I was I was a trim carpenter for, I don't know, three, four years after high school. And yeah. the, that kind of meticulous nature that I have of worked well with trim carpentry and also goes well with the way I like to forge stuff as well. Just kind of being too dumb to give up, I get from ranching. Yep. So, so Ben, so obviously, so Jeremy knows you you a lot a lot more intimately than I do. But so, if you were to sum yourself up and correct me where I'm wrong, I just I want to make sure we get a good picture of you. So, born into a ranching family, 
and then branched out on your own, which got you into kind of blacksmithing. And now, now you're also back into ranching, but for a non-family business or how, how would you kind of sum yourself up? I grew up around ranching, got offered a job by some other people to run their ranch. And then I wanted to build bits and spurs, which, you know, comes directly from cowboying. Yep. Yep. I just couldn't do, like, I just didn't know how to do it. It was, I couldn't learn by myself at that point. There, I didn't have the internet. I didn't have a smartphone. The books were not very helpful and I didn't have anybody else around me to learn. So later after I, I quit messing with that and started picking up blacksmithing again. And by that point I had the internet and Instagram and that was a tremendous help. And so I just do, you know, I run this ranch during the day and then I, I blacksmith at night. Yep. Yep. So you're doing both. You're doing what you grew up seeing and doing and then running your own own business on top of that as well. Correct. So where do you see yourself going? Do you see yourself going more blacksmithing or more rancher or somewhere in the middle? Yeah. I like where I'm at right now. I I really enjoy the cowboy work. Like everything else, there's things that you don't enjoy like plumbing and trying to fix a lawnmower or fixing tires on a tractor. But for the most yeah. part, I really like that during the day. And it's a good, you know, and it, having this full-time job allows me to keep the blacksmithing part fun. I yeah. think if yeah. I was doing it full-time all the time, it would be, you know, like everything, if you do it all the time, it just becomes work. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah. That's true. That's true. The minute you turn your passion into a business it can it you can lose it can lose its luster really fast when you become a you know uh you know just it's a job yeah it <laughs> a job, exactly, even if you love it <laughs> what's actually the number one thing you know now that you would wish you'd known when you were starting out i know it's a tough one mm-hmm. honestly i would have been a highline electrician if i knew what i know now i mean those, those guys make, <laughs> make a make a killing you know, this is going to be sound counterproductive. I wish I'd have dropped out of high school and just gone right to work full time. Yeah, I've got a high school degree. That's the highest education I have. It has not done me any good. I hated school. I wish I'd have just gone to work. And you yeah. know, maybe even go, gone into a trade as opposed to uh, what I'm doing. Yep. I mean, that's kind of a weird one to say, but that's something that I, I would have gotten to where I'm at sooner had I done that. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I definitely agree. I mean, I've been to multiple trade schools and, uh, you know, through the military and, and even privately. When I grew up, there was, I didn't have a trade school. So that was that was one of my biggest downfalls. So I actually, when I went into the military, I had a trade school. And then I wish I learned more life skills in high school than pre-algebra, algebra, stuff that, that, that I can't really take with me. Exactly. No, it, that reminds me, There's but there's like a rule, like the 10,000-hour rule, you become an expert in your craft. And what it sounds like you're saying is like, if you got those, you know, two or three extra years, you know, say you're working 2,000, 2,500 hours a, uh, a year, you would have got to where you were, you know, two or three years faster. Basically. It's not like anything you learned in those last two years of high school Sounds like they were too rich to where you were like, shit, that's really helped me out. You're like, shit, I just, you know, showed up. I graduated high school just because my parents wanted me to. And it's just, 
I'm, I'm not a school type person, but like a trade school, learning to do something that I like and, and can use my hands, that is much more appealing. But, you know, they don't, that's not something that's really promoted anywhere still yeah. Yeah. is going to a trade school. I didn't, I didn't really even know there was such a thing. And my wife is a teacher. And that's something that they're not allowed to tell these kids really that college isn't for you. Maybe you yeah. should learn how to be a plumber or an electrician, or a mechanic, or a welder, yeah. or whatever. At that age, you know what you want something different than school, but it's hard yep. to go about figuring out how to do it. Well, Jeremy went to a trade school, right? Yeah, in, in two of them. It doesn't, it's not, not a naysayer, but also isn't like it was the best thing ever. It seems like there's like a new version of it. Like, the right way to go about it, you find a you find a stud out in the, in the area that's like, if you want to be a plumber, go find the best plumber you can and work for him for you know, free or for a little, and you're going to learn from that person than sitting in a classroom learning plumbing on, you know, on PowerPoint presentations. Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's yeah. kind of the hard part, too, is they made all these credentials and certifications that you kind of do have to do the schooling, too, which kind of, yeah, you know, you check the box. Yeah, exactly. If you were to have a younger version of you as your protege, <laughs> what kind of gumption does he need to get up and, and work with you every day? A whole lot of being able to just do shitty jobs and not bitch. <laughs> That's for, if you work hard for me and you don't complain, yeah, the better life is for everybody. The more you get paid, the more you know fun stuff. The faster you do the shitty jobs, the more quicker we can go do fun stuff. Let's go rope something. Let's go shoot guns. Let's go drive the fence and drink a beer. Let's yeah, you know, do these things that that you want to do. But before that, I mean, you're going to, let's, we're going to have to go dig up this water line. That's, you know, shitty, muddy horse stall and, and fix a damn stock tank. You know, and I'm not somebody who, who's got just an endless list of things that, you know, is never going to get finished. I kind of get itemized things that these are the things that I need to get done for the day, or we need to get done for the day. And if we get those done, then we can, like I said, go do something fun or just kick back and relax. Yeah. And the same with the next day, because that having that big long list is just overwhelming and it, you know, it's just never ending. So if you kind of just pick off little bits of it, get those little bits knocked out, then you have a sense of accomplishment instead well, of just continuously being overwhelmed that you're never going to get it all done. Well, now actually you're, you're speaking to me, which is, which is, I'm, I'm at that phase. Cause we, we just got this place in February, and it, I, I do feel like we have that perpetual list that never gets done. And, and you know, it, it is it is daunting. It's frustrating at times. And and I think some days uh, we had a we had a guest uh, on in prior episodes, and uh, she had said that you know if, if you're struggling at something, sometimes you just need to put it aside, go to the next task. It's better to have 10 tasks done in a day and one unfinished than to have one unfinished and nothing else done. Well, and I agree. And sometimes, you know, as you're struggling with this list to get done and you have that one thing that you can't get done, sometimes you just got to get a win. Like go do yeah. something, go sweep something out and get something accomplished that you can feel good about and go back into that other harder project with a little more, you know, confidence after taking the beat down that's already given you. Yeah. Yeah. So what's one of the biggest things that, that you're looking forward to doing? I know that, you know, in the blacksmith space or even, even building this game ranch, like 
what what gets you jazzed up and what you know what's the big project that you're that you're looking forward to uh you know i don't necessarily have any projects right now that i'm looking forward to but i'm looking forward to and there's no telling with the way the world has turned regressed with this covid deal but getting to get out and travel and hang out with other blacksmiths. I mean, it, the blacksmith community as, as a whole, everybody's pretty isolated. I, I know, like for myself, there's nobody really close to me that does the same sort of stuff. And so, like, there's the maker's camp. I was planning on going to that. And hopefully that still will work out. We were, we were trying to get up there, too. Like you said, the maker community has been has been unbelievably arms open and and welcoming. It's been awesome. Yeah, and so it's it's more for me just wanting to get out and meet and work with these other people that I I know through Instagram, talk on the phone with, and and respect. And but I've never you know been able to look them at them and see the reds of their eyes or anything. Yeah, yeah, yep. we we just had that the other day with with Roy. I finally got to meet Roy from Vintage Axworks. We did a podcast with him, you know, a while back. We really hit it off. Um, I was struggling with my podcast capabilities. I I didn't think I was doing all that great. And Roy said, "Knock the shit off and be yourself." And then that was kind of one of the biggest changing uh, points in my podcast career. And I finally got to shake his hand not too long ago and say, "Hey, thanks for that." And we, you know. We tore it up for a couple of days, but yeah, no, it was it was nice to finally put, you know, a, a face to the name. You know what I mean? Yeah, see, and that's that's another person I'd like to shake his hand, buy him one yeah. of his gross IPAs. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's good shit. No, but we hear we hear that. Yeah, that you guys all, all the all the guys in in and women as well that the top makers there. You guys are all across the country. You got Jesse up in Vermont. You yeah. got. Roy down in Warsaw, Kentucky. There's Chris. Chris is out of what? Virginia? Uh, Maryland. 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 Yeah, you, yeah. Got, you got the director. And I, I'm, I'm extremely director. flattered you would lump me in with the top makers, but that is definitely not the case. <laughs> I've seen their hammers. They're, hey, they're freaking unbelievable. Yeah. There's probably some killer blacksmiths and some killer makers out there that no one's ever heard of. You guys are leading the Oh, yeah. You guys, you guys are figuring out the, you know, the social media. Like, you're letting the world know what you guys are doing. There's probably people that no one's ever heard of and ne- never will because they're just, you know, keeping to themselves doing their thing. But what's common, you guys are starting to realize the power of this social media is like, you know, it's a, it's a megaphone. You can, you can reach millions, you know, with what you guys are doing. You know, the, the funny thing about that is I know some of these guys that, you know, and it's more in the farrier industry, but are just these unbelievable makers of tools and just, blacksmithing stuff but they don't use any social media you know a lot of people use facebook and yeah. i don't do that uh but it's it's funny that i i got into blacksmithing because of instagram but then why would you not try to advertise yourself on something like instagram it's free advertising and millions of people look at it every day to your point, I think it was you that that had spoke about a guy in Texas who who does refurbished like blacksmith post vices, and I he's got like a really small account down in 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 Texas, but he is so. Oh yeah, um, Terry Estes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's I actually follow him after you had mentioned it, and he has such a small following, but it's such a powerful following. It's not like two hundred thousand followers of people that 
may or may not like my stuff. It's 2,000 followers of people who I interact with on a daily basis and know intimately. So I have a lot of respect for for you guys and what you guys do. Perry's a great guy. Um, yeah. I bought a few things from him, and I've been happy with him every single time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, those, those vices come out awesome. He, and he just – he doesn't. Yeah, pay, they do. Right? He just he just re uh, he he repurposes them. All the stuff he gets comes out of Europe, and then he a lot of the vices he'll build stands for. Uh, he gets a bunch of anvils, and then he'll clean them up and and sell them. He's a handy blacksmith in his own right, and a, a master welder. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I think a lot of people, especially young folks listening, is everyone everyone folks you know historically who's got the most followers, but like a guy like that that's in the vice community. Like you, you don't unless you're in devices or you need device. You don't need to be. You need to be. But he, if you needed one, he's the guy. Or if you're into it, he's the guy. And having two thousand exactly. people who are like die hard about your shit is better than having two hundred that really don't give a shit what you, you know yeah. what you're doing half the time and just like and it's like you'd rather build a real community of real people than like this fake you know what makes you you know a lot of people feel good at night, which is how many followers they have, which means nothing at the end of the day. I I couldn't agree with that more, and I you know I I don't have like two hundred thousand followers myself, but the followers I do have, I think personally are kind of invested in me and what I do. You know, like my dog, I had to put her down the other day, and it's just incredible the amount of people that reached out to me just for that. You know, and it's. I'm not selling anything. I'm not making anything. It's just I had a, the best dog in the world, and everybody was just very, very nice about that, and I really appreciated it. Yeah, I um, I heard one of your other podcasts, and uh, your dog had been been through a lot, huh? Yeah, she had. Yeah, <laughs> she had been through together. the ringer. You put her back together a few times. Yeah, yeah. She she had I don't I honestly do not understand how that dog was still alive. I mean she'd been run over, she'd been kicked in the like nearly had her eye kicked out by a cow and she was pretty damn little. Uh maybe like six, eight months old. Numerous porcupine tacks, gored by a zebra. Just Jesus. a whole slew of shit and just even whenever she felt horrible, was always would try try her best to come up and say hi to you, even if she couldn't. And she was just the best. What was the breed? She was a lab border collie mix. Awesome, got it. And so got she kind of wanted to chase cows, but would would stop pretty quick and go swim if there was some water around. <laughs> whatever, you got a coyote problem down there? Would ever chase coyotes? The coyotes, she was. Healthy enough size, and the coyotes didn't really tangle with her a whole lot. I had another dog named Oliver that got torn up pretty bad by coyotes, but she didn't really have much of an issue with them. Yeah, I got a uh, a guardian, a livestock guardian dog. I got a Anatolian Shepherd and and Great Pyrenees mix. And the only thing that that dog's done for me right now is kill my chicken. So it's kind of a little <laughs> counterintuitive here. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, might be getting a demotion. <laughs> I mean, moving along, outside of everything, right? 
what do you like to do other than outside of ranching, outside of blacksmithing? We know blacksmithing is kind of your passion, but it's kind of a work. I like thing. to fly fish. Ooh, all right, all right. You know, if I could do anything, just do anything, I would fish. And I don't want to guide people or do anything like that. I would just go fish every day. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to turn it into a job. You want it to be what it is. No, exactly. That's awesome. And when you go out fishing, what uh you listening to tunes, having some drinks, or just, just you in the water and that's it? Uh beer, no music. All right. Yeah. Yeah, the musical scale of fish, that probably makes makes some sense, is my guess. Uh you know, I I I wear earbuds all the time. Yep. But I I still, it's just kind of, that's one of the places where I don't want to listen to anything. Yep, yep. And just unwind and think about shit. You bet. Think thoughts. Awesome. So, all right, so we're, this is a twofer for you because you got two things going on. You got the ranching side, you got the blacksmith side. From the ranching side, what's the number one tool that you rely on to get your job done if you had to pick one? I know you, it's probably a bunch, but if there's one thing. That a Polaris you, Ranger. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just bought one. That is my number one tool. I it is rough around here. There's spots I can't get to with a pickup. I don't want to have to go. It, uh, saddling a horse isn't quick enough to like carry tools or any of that stuff. I can go anywhere and carry a bunch of stuff in a ranger. I can go feed cows. I can carry fencing supplies, plumbing supplies. I can pull trees out of water gaps. I can just do anything with one of those. Oh, man. That's awesome. Jer- Jeremy just got one up for, for their farm. Yeah, it was worth every penny. I, I We were doing everything with, like, a Kubota tractor, and it just was – it was getting to be too much. And then I, we were like, I'm going to go out and buy this utility ranger, and it has just been – it's awesome. I mean – Carries all the hay, water, um, tools. I mean, hell, I'm scooping shit into it. It's it's perfect. Yeah. Well, we yeah. So we went ATVing last last fall for you know sometimes we work pretty hard, so we try to take some weekends. We went ATVing, got stuck in the woods. We ended up meeting an executive for Polaris in the middle of the woods who jumped us, which is hilarious. And one of our trips, you saw, we probably we we just did a trip. A weekend trip with Roy. We did the NASCAR thing, but we're trying to do a weekend this winter or next spring with Polaris and and hopefully working with our buddy Nick Bosnack, who's an executive there, to do something with Polaris. Just because what we do is so you know people not only do you depend on them as tools, but then then you can also have a shit ton of fun when you're when you're off the clock with those things too. You bet. They're they're the best. I I can't. I, and, you know, I feel dumb because that's something I put it off for a long time. We had the Rangers out here at the ranch, and I just kept driving, you know, this F-350 four-door flatbed pickup all the time. And, it, you know, it just beats the shit out of them. And I'm, you know, using $150 of diesel every week, and now it's spending $10 on gas a week and saving all the wear and tear on everything else. So now when you flip over to your night job, which is still your passion, but your blacksmithing, what's the one tool in that that you rely on to get that done? Uh, it's kind of a toss-up between the power hammer and the press. Yep. And I just use both of them so much on, you know, everything I do that it's kind of hard to say which one I'd take more, but... 
my power hammer has been broken for quite a while, and luckily Andrew Alexander, Blacksmith Tools, has lent me a part. I got wow. it put on yesterday that I can go back to work, but I've got a new power hammer coming, and I'm hoping that may be kind of the the be-all, end-all of tools for me. Now, I know a lot of makers go old, old mechanical. Are you going old mechanical or are you going new technology? I've, I've already got, I've already got old mechanical. So I'm going new self-contained. I'm getting a 165 pound An Yang from James Johnson. Either way is not wrong, but it's just interesting to see which way makers go. A lot of them, you know, go back to, uh, you know, the 1800s and, and you're going into 2022. Well, and it's kind of like everything else. There's the nostalgia of these old tools, and they work well, and they've been working well for so long. But like everything else, technology progresses, and so these newer hammers will just give you have more capability than what a 100-pound little giant made in 1946 will do. I mean, it's yeah. laser pointers on on a on a miter saw, or you know, the laser line on a miter saw, or a laser measuring tool. If you're doing a bid for construction, I mean, you got to take advantage of the technological advancement. A little bit of romance to using the nostalgic stuff, which is more fun if it's if it's true hobby, true like passion and love. But the minute you're trying to turn it into maybe a higher performing product or a business, which is a little bit of a cluster, technology is the answer. And, and, it, and it, you know, people have a hard time, you know, with that because there's so much nostalgia in the old stuff. But it's like, hey, at the, end yeah. of the, day, the, new, the new stuff is 100 years newer than the old stuff. And, you know, it's not that it's not that it's built any smart. It's just the times have changed. The times have turned. Awesome. So this has been incredible getting to know the whole story, the complexity of ranching meets blacksmith and what's worked versus what's not worked. But you you seem like you've, you've got a lifestyle that that, uh, that many, many would like to have, which is, you know, you, you get to wake up every day, do what you love and, and pay the bills and have a lot of fun along with it. So we're super appreciative. Glad you took the time with us. So the question is, anything we can do on our end, what account should we should we send people to, your social, and your pod, anything you're involved in, any any affiliations that you want us to tag and plug and, and, and drive some folks your way as, as they listen to this podcast, hopefully not only immediately, but for years to come. You know, podcasts have a long tail, so this thing will live a long life, hopefully for the next few years. I would say I'd say my Instagram, which is at Ben Snoor, and then also you can buy my tools through Wellshod.com. Wellshod.com. And they're a fairy okay. supply in the Amarillo, but they also carry a bunch of blacksmithing tools, and they're just really good people. And uh, I actually want to add to this plug because you know they were the ones that introduced us, but the boys over there at Axe and Iron Podcast. Roy from Vintage Axe Works and Chris from what is it Mount Mount Vernon uh, Mount, Mount Philip Vernon. Mount, Mount Mount underscore Philip underscore Metal Works something like that a lot of underscores yeah, but Mount Philip Metal Works yeah 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 we'll we'll tag them in it but yeah I mean they really you know they did something special with the makers and and if you want to learn more about the makers and and Ben you. You dive deep into a little bit more on the maker side in, in their podcast, so that 
you know, it's it, it was great for them to connect us, and, and I'm really appreciative to meet you. You know, and it's just funny, this whole maker community, how you just get to meet so many different people. You know, Chris Cash, he's been out here to the ranch, and we did some blacksmithing and driving around and getting to meet Roy and Jeff in New York. I just never thought building hammers would connect me with so many interesting people from all over the place. Right, right. A neat community. So it sounds like what we need to do is we need to get our friends over at Polaris and us to organize a, uh, a bucket talk weekend, which, which, which isn't going to have anvils or hammers and get a lot of you guys all together to have some fun and talk stuff without, without doing any work. <laughs> I like to, I, I kind of like the sound of that, but I, I'd like to let's all do it and we'll drive around on, on Rangers and drink beer at the end of the day and record. Exactly. No, that's, that's all. That's the only way we know how. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, awesome. Ben, thanks for being on with us. We'll be in contact. And, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Mighty good. Thank you, gentlemen. Mm-hmm.